Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy July. It's July 1st. It seems so crazy to me. Today is workout 75 of 100 for Morning Meltdown 100. I'm super excited that this program is coming to a close. I haven't done phase four and five of this program since I initially did the program in 2019. And uh, I forgot just how hard it is. I have been utilizing a lot of stretching, drinking a shit ton of water, using my Theragun, and really trying to focus on recovery after workouts. Today is freestyle flow, so I'm going to put on my yoga socks and get some yoga done. And, you know, I'm really excited because I've, I've noticed an increase in my upper body strength, which is awesome. And I attribute a lot of it to this program. But that is not the point of this podcast today. And this podcast is probably going to ruffle some feathers. And if y'all have been here for any length of time since I started my podcast years ago, uh, you know that I don't give a fuck if I ruffle some feathers with what I have to say. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that Roe v. Wade was overturned, which removed the constitutional right for women in America to have an abortion for an unwanted pregnancy for a pregnancy that was not planned, for a pregnancy that is causing harm to the woman, for a pregnancy that is not going to be viable once outside the womb, all the things, right? It takes away a woman's right to choose and gives it back to the state. The reason Roe v. Wade happened to begin with was to give women that choice regardless of what state that they lived in. Because let's be real, back when this went down, racism was still very much a thing. Segregation was still very much a thing in this country. Um, the only people who got abortions were rich white people. If anyone remembers the movie Dirty Dancing, the whole reason that baby has to fill in for Penny is because Penny was in a bad way, quote unquote. She was pregnant. She needed an abortion, couldn't afford one, and found basically a backyard doctor to do the abortion. And it was a botched abortion, and that's why she had to go to her father and ask for her father's help, who was a doctor, right? Banning abortion is not going to stop abortion. It's going to stop safe abortion. It's going to put the lives of women and sometimes children, right? Because let's be real. Any person can be raped. And if they have had their period, they can get pregnant. A 12-year-old girl in Mississippi can be raped by her father or uncle and be forced to carry that baby to term and deliver. And the Republican Party says, oh, we'll just give it up for adoption. There are over 450,000 kids in foster care in the United States right now. If you can't take care of the ones that are already here, why the fuck are you going to force women to have more? Not to mention there's a tampon shortage in this country. Not to mention there's a formula shortage in this country. They are coming for women. And it's not going to stop there. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is starting with abortion. If you don't understand the fundamental reason of why a woman needs to have an abortion, educate yourself. Ectopic pregnancies are not viable. You cannot push that egg down the fallopian tube into the uterus and just have it be A-OK and it results in a beautiful baby. And ectopic pregnancies happen to many women. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life. I have a really good friend from high school. Her name is Shelby and she's a beautiful human being and she is a mother to two wonderful children. 
but she had an eptopic pregnancy that went unnoticed and almost killed her. Because doctors don't see you until you're, what, eight weeks along, something like that. Granted, I am not a mother, so I don't know all the checkmark, benchmark things. But most of the time, you cannot even make your first appointment until you're a certain number of weeks along. And in some states, if you go into your ultrasound and they detect a heartbeat, you can't have a fucking abortion. I'm sitting here debating how deep I want to go with this. And uh, I'm just going to let it out. My mom passed away from leukemia in February of 2005. And it was the first time in my life that I was truly alone and didn't have my sounding board, didn't have my best friend. I decided after my mom died to move in with my boyfriend at the time because he lived closer to my school. My parents, my my mom and stepdad lived in Woodland, California. He lived in Sacramento. I went to school in Sacramento. It made more sense. Why commute, right? Back and forth when I can just live at his house and go to school and then you know, every few days or whatever, go check on my stepdad. And my stepdad was cool with it, obviously. I was 19. Actually, I was 18. No, I was 19. Sorry. And uh, I could do whatever the fuck I wanted. And I think it was hard for me, for him to be around me, because I reminded him a lot of my mom. In about late August, early September of that year, school was wrapping up. I was doing my medical assisting program, and my friend Sarah said, hey, uh, I need to run a urinalysis on someone to finish one of our like uh, completion books. We have to do a certain number of things in order to be proficient in it, right? And she's like, can you go pee for me? And I was like, sure. I'll go to the bathroom, take a you know, cup, give her a urine sample, bring it back. And she walks over to me about 10 minutes later and she's like, hey, so I ran an HCG, which is a pregnancy test, and you're positive. And I was like, that's not fucking funny, Sarah. Like... Shut the fuck up. She's like, I'm not kidding you. And mind you, this was during morning session of school. So on our break, I went down to the dollar store and bought 10 pregnancy tests because apparently I thought that, you know, that's what you did. Um, which, by the way, if in case you didn't know, the pregnancy test at the dollar store is exactly the same as like clear blue and all that. So don't be wasting your money on a $27 test. Go to the dollar store. So I... Drink a shit ton of water, I peed in a cup, and I lined up all 10 on the desk during our break and took all 10, and all 10 were positive, because obviously if one's positive, most likely the other ones are going to be positive too. I was pregnant at 19 years old in a relationship that I should never have been into, got in to begin with. Uh, when we first met, he was on house arrest. That should have been red flag number one. Uh, but I believed his story as to what happened later, found out that was not what happened. And he did threaten somebody with a, with a weapon. And that is why he uh, was on house arrest to begin with. So I, 19, I wasn't very smart. Okay. At 18, when we first met, I was definitely not very smart at 19 when I decided to move in with him. Anyways, I was scared, but I was also excited. Mind you, when my mom's cancer came back, in early 2005, one of the things that I was so upset about was that if I lose my mom, I never get to make her a grandma. I never get to go through pregnancy, leaning on my mom, uh, decorating a nursery, doing all the things that mothers and daughters do when preparing for a baby. 
Now, I was in no way trying to get pregnant when I got pregnant. I was on antibiotics for a uh, bronchitis infection and ended up, you know, interfering with my birth control and I got pregnant. I wasn't being careless. I wasn't not using contraceptive because I was on birth control. It was just that one little window of antibiotics and birth control and the less effectiveness of it and I got pregnant. So I wasn't being a slut, as a lot of people like to say, oh, well, if you don't want to get pregnant, don't be a slut. (laughs) That's real. That's my new favorite argument I heard this morning on TikTok. So I told my boyfriend at the time, I gave him a gift with the pregnancy test in a bag and obviously in a Ziploc bag because I was freaked out about it. Anyway, (laughs) and he looked at me and said, Oh, why are you trying to ruin my life? That was not the response I was expecting. And a couple days went by and he got more excited and we were excited. I believe it was a week after I had found out. uh, And mind you, at this time, because my mom had died, I was no longer on Medicaid. I had no medical insurance at this time. So I called up Planned Parenthood and I made an appointment and they're like, yeah, we can, you know, when was your last menstrual period? And we go over all that. They're like, okay, you know, you can come in in about four weeks, three weeks or so. And we'll do, you know, we'll do a checkup on you and we'll get you set up with, you know, prenatal care and all that stuff. And I was like, awesome. That's great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, a couple of days after I had set up that appointment, Ryan and I had gotten to an argument about... I don't know, me not cleaning the kitchen or having... No, I was not having dinner ready when he got home. Mind you, um, my school went later than his work, so that was that situation. And that was the first time he really put his hands on me. Mind you, he had been emotionally and verbally abusive up until this point. We had been together for almost a year, and I had been living with him for about three or four months at the time. And he... put his hand around my throat and pushed me up against the wall and had a pocket knife in his hand to my stomach and said, if you don't take care of this, I will. I packed up my stuff. I went to my stepdad's and I called my dad and stepmom who were living uh, in Fernley, Nevada at the time. And I just remember shaking, crying and being like, what is happening? Like, I know that, you know, he has anger issues and whatever, but like, this was different. The look in his eye, the tone of his voice was all different. So my stepmom, drove down from Fernley and picked me up in Woodland and brought me back up to Nevada. And her and my dad sat me down and they were like, look, you have two choices. Mind you, they did not know Ryan was abusive. I never told a soul. Sat me down and said, you have two choices. You can live here and raise your baby and we'll support you and we'll get you in school and we'll get you, you know, going with what you need, whatever. Or you can choose to have an abortion And you can go back to your life in California. Mind you, I was still in school. My program had not finished. I still had an externship to do. I still had a test to take. Like I still had things to do with my life. So I called Ryan and I told him, you know, what the plan was. And of course, him being the narcissist, abuser, manipulator that he was, was like, well, you have to come back here. Uh, so my dad spoke to him and, uh, asked him to drive up to Nevada and be there for me. And he did. 
And the first time I had seen him, he was very apologetic, of course, right? Every abuser is. And mind you, the previous day I went to the clinic and I couldn't go through with it, okay? And then that night we had a conversation with Ryan and he came up the next day, whatever. This is over the weekend. He stayed. The plan was to go back to the clinic on Monday because I went on a Friday. Sunday night we go to bed. And we're obviously asleep in the living room because we were sleeping in the living room. And I remember hearing something in the middle of the night, but, but whatever. Like, I, I went back to sleep. I was just really tired. I wake up Monday morning, and he's not there. And at this time, texting, like, wasn't super big on phones. But, like, I didn't have a text. I didn't have a missed call. I didn't have a voicemail. There was no note, no nothing. And I was like, that was really fucking weird. And so I went to the clinic with my dad. And they tell you that you're not supposed to remember anything because they, you know, give you enough drugs. Mind you, the fact that they take you into the clinic and do an ultrasound on you to find out how far along you are and don't turn off the heartbeat monitor, I feel like it's just adding insult to injury personally. Went ahead and had the ultrasound. Went ahead and went through with the abortion. They tell you you're not supposed to remember everything. I can recount everything that happened. They put you in a recliner in a joint recovery room afterward. And my dad came in. And he kind of like shook my arm and woke me up and he's like, all right, let's go. And I was like, okay. So we left. I take my discharge instructions, whatever. And two days later, I drove back home to California, back to Ryan, back to my life, right? He was furious that I went through with it. Furious. When I asked him why he left, he said he couldn't look at me anymore. After that, we uh, we worked on things. We figured it out. I had a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, because I grew up in the church. And abortion was quote-unquote wrong. Mind you, around this time, I had also started dabbling with cocaine. And it, it was just, honestly, it was just not my best moment in life. We went on a vacation to Disneyland. It was my first time going to Disneyland at 19 years old. Yes, I had never been. My mom went when she was pregnant with me, but in my opinion, that does not fucking count. So we went to Disneyland, and we came home, and we had a great time. And I was on his computer for something for school. And that's when I found all the emails. He had been cheating on me the entire relationship. And when I confronted him about it, for lack of a better term, he beat the shit out of me. And I packed up my stuff and I never looked back. I left when he was at work. Uh, literally left so much stuff there because I couldn't possibly take all of my stuff in my vehicle. And I didn't even go back to my stepdad's house uh, in Woodland because he had actually sold the house at that time. That happened uh, shortly after my abortion. He had to sell the house because he couldn't afford it after my mom had passed away and he moved. So I moved in with my grandfather down in California, back in my hometown of Pacifica. And I just started my life over. I got myself into a program, got myself off of drugs, and I dealt with the emotional side of having an abortion. It was not easy. Um, a little less than a year after I left Ryan, uh, we were both invited to be in a wedding. And uh, we were in the wedding. We walked down the aisle together. It, it was mutual friends. 
And um, that was the night that I was sexually assaulted by him and two other people. I almost had a baby with a man who was mentally, physically, verbally, and now sexually abusive towards me. When they say, oh, like, if, you know, women don't have the right to choose. I am fucking thankful that I had a right to choose. I was not planning to have a child with that person at the time I got pregnant. It was not a plan. It was an accident that happened. I most likely would not have survived that pregnancy with the way that relationship was going, with the way that person was. Even sitting here now at 36 years old, a divorced woman with no children, with my history of cancer and knowing that I will most likely never have biological children. Nineteen year old Valerie would have still made that decision. This is about more than just abortion rights. This is a human right. Find out what your state laws are. Find out how you can help. We all must get out and vote and change these policies because women are going to die. And if you don't believe that, I don't know what else to tell you. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening to my story. It feels cathartic to get it out. I have not made this information public knowledge ever. And it is not that I am ashamed of my decision. It is that I don't necessarily feel the need to explain my decision to anybody because it was mine to make as a 19-year-old woman. But my story needs to be told, even if it helps one person. Happy Friday, y'all.